Welcome to The Heart Podcast, a Christian podcast featuring sermons from the Greater Hartford Church of Christ and impromptu episodes covering a wide variety of topics. We hope you enjoy. Hello, good morning, church. Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, I'm sure a lot of us are still digesting uh, a lot of the food that we've been eating and enjoying some good time with family and friends. Um, but it's good to be together this, this morning here. And, uh, for myself, I guess, speaking of being full, <laughs> thinking of, I'm still reminded and still digesting all the spiritual food that Sajin gave us last week. Uh, it was just an, an incredible lesson on, uh, loss and grieving. And honestly, if you missed last week's lesson, please, like you have to go back and, and listen to it. It's good. You can find it on our Facebook page. Um, or our YouTube page, but uh, but it's just just incredible. So hopefully everyone's been enjoying their their time with family and friends and all that stuff and enjoying some good food. But this morning, meanwhile, we're gonna keep marching through, pick up where we left off. Uh, we've been doing a, a series as a church in First John, uh, continuing our overall series this year, a focus of loving your neighbor as yourself. So we're going to jump back into 1 John and, uh, yeah, see how we can love our neighbors better and better. So, amen. Let's jump on in. Um, if you would, you can start turning your Bible over to 1 John chapter 2. Uh, but as we get started here, I think, you know, there's, there's a lot of pride in family distinguishing marks. So stay with me here. Uh, but just distinguishing marks in a family, every family has their things or their their identity or things that are unique to them. For me, I grew up a Jackson. Um, and what that meant was that Jacksons play basketball. <laughs> That's just what it was. You know, there's this really cool picture of my, my dad. I don't have it, you know, it's one of those old things, but there's a really cool picture of my dad and his older brother in high school both of them in high school, they're actually playing and went to two separate high schools. But there's a picture in the local newspaper of them jumping off, like tipping off against each other, uh, which is really random, but but still, but pretty cool as well. And uh, but when I think about my whole family, like my, my cousins, they play basketball. They've played Division One basketball and all these different places and stuff. Um, you know, another of my uncles coached um, for, for a, a local college and, and also referee my, me and my, both my brother and I play basketball. And, and I do remember uh, a distinct memory of one of our little family reunions where all the cousins, and I'm the youngest of all the cousins on the Jackson side, but all the cousins got together and, and played pickup basketball. And it was just so much fun, you know, to be able to do that with family. You know, my dad actually had his Jersey retired at his high school. And he went on to, to play college basketball at the town that eventually I grew up in. So there is, for me, there was great pride in basketball and being a Jackson and walking around town and random people coming up and being like, wait, are you, are you a Jackson? Like, you know, Don Jackson? Yeah, that's my dad. Oh man, I remember watching him play and all these different things. But I, I, I grew up having pride in that being like, yeah, you know, I wasn't as good. So don't get your hopes up there. Um, but there was this identifying mark of being part of the Jackson family that I really took pride in. You know, it feels good when we belong. You know, it brings confidence and, and a pride 
uh, kind of help us stick out our chest a little bit, you know. And this is what we can have with God and his church as well. So with these things in mind, let's read our passage for this morning. And in 1 John chapter 2, we're going to read verses 28 through chapter 3, verse 10. So hopefully you're there. Um, I'm going to kick us off and read here. The Bible says, And now, dear children, continue in him, so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But what we know, but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins. And in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is righteous, who does what is right, is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who was born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. So there's a lot of things that are in this particular passage. And we're not going to go through and exegete every, every single thing that's here, although it would be incredible to do your own study on these things. But I would sum up what we want to focus on this morning as to have confidence and pride, all we need to do is abide. Just a little rhyme, amen, it's all good. But the scripture does tell us how we're, we're to abide. How do we remain in him? Uh, the scripture tells us that we need to do three things. We need to see his love, we need to practice his righteousness, and we need to love his children. So let's start off here. And I don't even think I said what our title, the title of our lesson this morning is Confident Children of God. This is what the scripture calls us to be, and this is what I want to be as well. So starting off here, our first point is in order to be that, we need to see his love. Just by way of reminder, it was in 1 John verse, or chapter 3, verse 1, that says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. You know, for me, um, it's so moving being around people who see with clarity that they are loved by God. I was reminded of this recently um, while on a prayer walk with uh, a lot of us know Mr. Aaron Perry. 
Um, so last week after, after church at Sunday, we went to Nevers Park and we just walked around the park and talked and, and prayed and it was great. And, and you guys that know Aaron, you know, he's got such a soft heart. Um, and, and having walked away from God for a time and, and come back into the fold, God's love is not lost on him. You know, as many of us have seen or heard Aaron pray, he, he often gets choked up with emotions out of gratitude, just just in disbelief almost of how he could be loved so much uh, by God, you know, and he has his own kind of touchstones for immediate remembrance. And uh, the scriptures, it reminds me, the scriptures, what the scriptures say is true, that he who has been forgiven little loves little, and he who's been forgiven much loves much. Aaron is a brother who loves much because he knows he's been forgiven much. And the same thing can be true for us as well. You know, we need to be intentional, intentional about seeing God's love. For some, that that may mean making a gratitude list every day and taking the time to, to write down, what am I grateful for? What is God doing? But making that list every day so we can constantly kind of open our eyes to what God's doing. You know, it may mean praying for God to literally open your eyes to help you see how in the different ways he's shown you his love. God's been faithful in the past. And because of that, we can can use that to have confidence to know that God's going to be faithful in the future as well. It may mean memorizing different scriptures so that you have something to pull from during those hard times. Whatever it is, we need to make sure that we see God's love. You know, as Aaron and I were, were walking and talking, uh, we shared scriptures that, that just help us to know how God feels about us. Just scriptures that remind us during those times where we need those reminders. And, and this would be a great fellowship exercise to share with another person how God has been encouraging you, supporting you. You know, many of us were hurting. There, there have been deaths in our families. Uh, There have been past kingdom hurts that kind of get resurfaced. You know, it's an amazing, and it's amazing how closing our eyes, it doesn't help us to move forward, actually. Time does not heal all wounds, despite what the world tries to say. But whatever the hurt, whatever the solution we're looking for, we need to look to God. We need to look for God in the hurt. We need to look for God in these places and in these spaces. And we must be like Isaiah who said to the people of Israel, here is your God. These are the conversations we get to have with one another. You know, and this is good news. The reason why we do Bible studies is to help people see God's love. The reason why we gather together is to help each other see God's love. Today, if you're not seeing how much God loves you, you have to ask yourself, what is keeping me from seeing God's love? Maybe it's, maybe it's sin, something you haven't repented of or repented from, or maybe it's hurt. Maybe it's distractions, you know, things like sports, TV shows, manga, video games, other people, um, work, side projects. There's so many things to take our eyes off of God. And there's nothing wrong with these things kind of in and of themselves. But it may be wrong for you if it's keeping you from seeing God's love. 
We have to remove these distractions for, for a time period, maybe, and then refocus on God and then come back to those things, maybe later on. We're all going to do a little exercise right now. This is going to be helpful. This is going to be God, all right? We're going to help each other see God a little bit better right now, okay? You ready? I know we're used to sitting at home. It's easy being on our couch, you know, maybe you're on YouTube, maybe you're on Facebook. It's easy to watch, but now I'm asking you to get ready, all right? Get your fingers ready. Where's the keyboard? We're going to help each other out now. Uh, this is the benefit of, of being virtual. Uh, so get ready to type in the chat here, all right? So here's what we're going to do. Here's the question. In what ways have you seen God lavish his love on you? Think about that. In what ways have you seen God lavish his love on you? Let's take a few minutes here just to have you type in the chat uh, or, or maybe you write it down so that you can have this conversation with the people that you're surrounded with right now that you're watching with. What a great little family devotional, a way to share our faith with our kids, no matter what age they are. Um, but let's have this time. Just maybe write it down or type it in the chat if you feel so bold and if you already have it ready. But this is the way we get to help each other to see God's love. So this is the first of three practicals that John gives us to be confident children of God, to see his love. Next, we need to practice his righteousness. And that's point two. Practice his righteousness. Just by way of reminder, um, babe, do you want to read the reminder passage here? Sure, yeah. We're coming from 1 John chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. So I'll reread that. Uh, it says, Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous just as he is righteous. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. So this is the second point that we have, the second practical, and that is to, you know, be righteous and live in righteousness. But what we're emphasizing here is the phrase does what is right. A characteristic of a child of God is the practice of righteousness. There are several things that go into our practice of righteousness as Christians. And for one of those practices, I actually want to refer back to something that John said earlier in chapter 1, verse 9. And I'll remind us of what that says. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So the practice we see here is confession of sins which can also be known as walking in the light. Uh, so he also refers to it as that. When we make it our practice to confess our sins, then Jesus's blood purifies us from all unrighteousness. I love how Jesus honors the steps of obedience that we make, and, or at least that we're willing to make, and then we get to take on his righteousness for ourselves. And I've definitely personally seen this in my life. Uh, this year, I've been really focusing on practicing confession in my relationships, but in a very specific form. And how, how I say it is by not isolating. So how I define that is, isolating is when I choose to withdraw from an uncomfortable situation in order to not be vulnerable so that I could save face and appear perfect. There are definitely some situations where it is best to walk away and then come back. 
Uh, but a lot of situations I find myself in, it's more a matter of me not wanting to uh, look a certain way. I'd much rather go off and you know make myself okay and make myself perfect than to look a certain way in front of people or look a mess. Uh, and really this is all about control, control over my emotions, control over others' perception of me, which I can't control anyway, but somehow in my mind, if I do that, then that makes it better. And this is just one of the things that I have personally been uh, really trying to stay away from and work through. And I've really seen God bless it through my relationships and I've seen my fellowship grow. When we walk in the light as he as in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And so I've really taken risks and uh, it's been scary at times, but I've really seen God come through and help me to be more of a righteous person, not because of who I am, but because of the obedience from his spirit, spirit and the ability to take on his righteousness. God really does bless our obedience, and I feel known in my relationships, and I feel loved as a result of that. That's a great example of practicing his righteousness. You know, when I uh, kind of read through this and, and was thinking, it made me think of when Jesus talked about our acts of righteousness in his Sermon on the Mount in, in Matthew 6, and, and well, all through Sermon on the Mount as well. Um, but he says in particular in Matthew 6 that when you give to the needy, when you fast and when you pray, um, and, and Jesus is saying here, these are these are the basics. These are just some of the basics, and it's not a matter of if; it's a matter of when, you know. And, and I even love how Jesus doesn't give us a specific time period or doesn't give us a specific number of times because he's just like, hey, I don't want you to, I don't want this to become kind of this this rote thing. Um, but but when you pray, when you give, when you fast, this is how. This is how you do it. Um, and, and these are basic acts of righteousness. So I guess my question for us is, is more rhetorical is, how are we even doing with the basics? How are we doing with the basic acts of righteousness? How is your, your prayer life? How, how is your, your giving? And, and I love our, our hope chapter and all those, you know, Paul and and Roz and others that have been helping us with these opportunities to, to give, but, but how's your personal heart to, to, to give to the needy? And, and fasting, you know, how's your fasting going? Um, when was the last time you fasted? How often do you fast? Like this should be, these should be regulars in our, our spiritual life. These are, these are uh, acts of righteousness that, that, that Jesus said, do these things um, because of how it helps us. <laughs> God doesn't need these things from us, but these things help our hearts. You know, acts of righteousness are, are done, uh, they're actions done only for God to see. This is something else that, that Jesus mentions in that Matthew 6 passage, the, the unseen things, um, but how God sees the things that are unseen. You know, some of these things, they're, they're going to be seen by other people, but what makes it righteous is that we're, we're not doing them for other people. We're doing them to, to be seen by God, not people. So things that go unseen that are acts of righteousness, well, I think of well, when you forgive. That's something that kind of happens privately, you, you and God, and, and before we even step front in, in front of someone else. You know, when we do not worry, as it says later on in Matthew 6, that's something else. It's an act of righteousness, kind of personal and unseen. 
when you take the plank out of your own eye before helping get the speck out of someone else's eye. Unseen act of righteousness. When you let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Those are acts of righteousness that are unseen. When you leave your gift at the altar and first go be reconciled, that's unseen act of righteousness. When you, when you cut off everything that causes you to sin, it's an unseen act of righteousness. When you, when you keep an oath by letting your yes be yes and your no be no, when you love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you, these are all acts of righteousness only in the Sermon on the Mount. Sometimes we got to hit reset on our spirituality and go back to the basics because these are the actions that we need to be practicing. I grew up, I played an orchestra. My orchestra teacher used to say, practice makes perfect. Practice makes perfect. So, and, uh, and amen. I don't think I was ever the perfect <laughs> bass player. But something that we've adopted as, as our family, as the Jackson family, that we say often around here is practice makes better. Practice makes better. The more we practice these acts of, acts of righteousness, the more we do these things, the better we get at them. And God gets glorified. Yeah, I think this is really great, but I think it's also hard because we've lost a lot of the structures that have encouraged us to do the basics well. And, you know, there's just been so much transition and so much turmoil that it's been very exposing. I know for me, when I hear these things, I'm like, man, how am I doing in the basics? You know, when was the last time I did this or did that? And, and so that's why I think it is good to take this time and really think about, you know, how are we doing in our practice? Because how else are we going to get better if we don't practice? And I do think that with the holidays coming up, it's such a great opportunity to reflect on where we're at uh, currently, how we've been through this year, and we're, really where do we want to go and who do we want to be moving forward? And especially reflecting on the things that are unseen. Um, I mean, obviously, God sees them, but sometimes they're unseen to us. And that can be a little concerning, but we have to take that moment to stop and pause and look, look in the mirror, look in God's word and see what is really there. There's a very specific basic practice that I would like to talk about, and it's actually found in 1 Peter chapter 3 and the second part of verse 4. And in that verse, it's, it's written to women and it's talking about the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. And it says it is of great worth in God's sight. And I want to give a special challenge to the women, not only because the scripture is written to them. Of course, if you're a man, you can take the challenge on too. But I think about the women in particular because we tend to be the driving force behind the schedules and, you know, just kind of what we do as a family. That's not always the case. Of course, you know, this could be a generalization, but I definitely know in our home, I can be the driving force behind the activity that goes on. And so I want us to think about the word quiet. And this Greek word quiet doesn't mean silence and no talking. It means tranquility, it means peace, and it means not easily disturbed. And these are strange things to be talking about during the holiday weekend that we are experiencing and as we are going into you know, more holiday festivities. But I think it's really important that we, we talk about this because Things around us are chaotic, they're busy, they're hectic, you know, sometimes we feel like they're, they're out of our control, but that doesn't mean that our inner selves need to be mimicking that. Mm -hmm. 
And that's the wonderful thing about practice and even, you know, putting into practice God's word is that all of these things can be going on around us, but our inner selves can be tranquil and peaceful and quiet. And ultimately, God is the one that values this. This is a quality that is, is of great worth to God. Mm -hmm. And if you've been around people who are able to be calm in the midst of chaos, you value it too. <laughs> you know, you want to be around them. I would definitely say for me, this is not natural. Uh, I think my natural tendency is to be easily disturbed emotionally or spiritually. Um, but it's something that I have been practicing and I have had to practice. And I think as a society, we are slowing down. We're being forced to slow down, I should say, because we can't do all the things we want to do, how we want to do it, when we want to do it. And I just wonder, as Christians, are we paying attention? Are we realizing that there's a sense of pausing that God may be wanting us to really look at? And I just think we had a great sermon last week. You know, it's already been mentioned but we may not be in a place of grieving personally. However, there's so many great nuggets in there that we can apply now, even acknowledging some of the losses that we've experienced this year and being able to productively grieve. Because if we don't productively grieve, it will catch up with us eventually. Yeah. And just another encouragement, if you haven't seen that, please go back and watch it because I know I took a lot of notes because I know man, this message is relevant and I need it now and I most likely will need it later. Uh, so some of the things that we may need to do, and this may seem strange, but I just want everyone to just close your eyes, stop and just take a breath. Just breathe. <sighs> just breathe. So this is something I really value as a singer, breathing. That is the foundation of singing, right? But I think so many times we are just doing and, and we're not able to be because we don't stop and breathe. That's one practical. Other times we may need to get away in silence and to reflect. Maybe we need to make space in our schedules to pause, like literally plan to pause. <laughs> that may sound weird, but I do that. I, I plan out when I'm going to do nothing and it sounds strange, but it's protected time. It's intentional time and it's Sabbath. There is something called Sabbath in the Bible. It talks about rest and God instructed them to have this be a part of their schedule, a part of their lifestyle. And I believe it's a great biblical practice to have. So for me personally, um, you know, around this time, it kind of starts in the fall. Uh, I start to feel this longing to be with God and to get away with God and spend more time with God. And I really feel like God is like luring me, like his spirit is like, come, come, come. And I want to go. And so what I do is I normally get away um, at least once a year. I would love to do it twice a year. In 2020, I did it twice because I needed it. And basically what I do is I just book a special place with God and I spend alone quantity and quality time with God. And this really helps me to be able to listen. Um, because sometimes I feel like being a singer, I have sensitive ears and I'm just sensitive overall with my senses that it's hard for me to hear God. This time really helps me to hear God. And it's so funny, like I've done this a few times and I can say that I've never left that time feeling like, hmm, you know what I need in my life now is another event. 
another activity, another program. That's what's been missing. That's why I don't have peace. That's why I don't have tranquility. Okay, no. I've never felt that. But you know what I have felt? I felt like I need to pray more. I need to fast. I need to think about my giving. How can I be more generous? How can I love my family more? How can I be more intentional in my relationships and what is important to me? How can I prioritize that over all these other things? How can I be great at the basics? What is really important to me? And every time I've left that time feeling like, I want to be closer to God. I want to worship more. I want to sit with my sisters and brothers and have deep Bible talks. Like, that's what I feel. And so it's just an encouragement to think about, okay, what is going to be my practice? And how can I incorporate some of these things to just really practice righteousness and do the basics well? And it helps having a supportive spouse. <laughs> so it's one of those supportive self, family. exactly, <laughs> there you go. It's one of those things that benefits both, you know, like as, as Aisha goes away, has her time, um, it benefits the family. And just like she supports me whenever I go out as well. And, and I come back uh, from hanging out with the brothers and stuff with a different spirit, you know, mm -hmm. so we need, we need that for each other. It's the basics. So now we've seen, uh, firstly, we've seen how uh, we need to see his love. And we just looked at how we need to, to practice his righteousness uh, and, both, and how both of these things lead us to be confident children of God. Lastly, we must love his children. It's the last thing this passage talks about. You know, unity is hard. <laughs> unity is so hard. Um, for me personally, this week, I was like, you know, I'm done with the news. I'm, I'm done with the news, especially like politics and anything and so many things get, get turned political and stuff and and, and I just realized I, I was watching um, like a little video clip that showed um, little sound bites from different news stations and uh, kind of spliced together just on you know one way or another and, and I was just so annoyed by it and I was just like are you kidding me is this really like we're just nitpicking just finding anything and any reason to, to not agree and, and I was just like, you know what? I'm done. I'm done. I believe that a lot of these things are toxic. I know for me, uh, maybe even for you. So this isn't even in my notes necessarily, but I, I challenge you. If you are, I challenge you to, to, to evaluate the things that you let into your eyes and ears. I challenge you to evaluate these things. Are they beneficial? Are they leading to unity in Christ? Or are they driving a wedge in your heart? And I challenge you to remove those things, to turn it off, to not check the websites, to not turn on the station and do something completely different. I don't even know. It's one of the reasons why I love watching trolls. Like the, the, the show Trolls, the beat goes on because it's just, it's lighthearted stuff. It's funny. It reminds me of how the kingdom used to be kind of a deal, like encouragement battles. And, you know, it's just positive. We need to hit reset in a lot of, I know I do. So that was for free. Amen. But I'm done watching the news, at least for now or whatever, just because I know it's 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 not beneficial for for, for me personally um, you know, but I think human nature, we, we tend to focus on what separates us. Um, but we need to refocus on the things that unite us. 
you know, great example of this recently through uh, the, the East region, we were able to meet um, at a synagogue, uh, Beth Shalom B'nai Israel in Manchester. And uh, I was able to meet the, the rabbi there, Rabbi Randall, and he invited Aisha and I to be a part of the Manchester's annual interfaith Thanksgiving service, <laughs> that's a mouthful, this past Sunday. And, um, you know, he said, hey, you can read the scripture, you know. Um, I was like, well, my wife sings as well. Like, oh, he's like, oh, it'd be great. It'd be great. We have music and stuff. Uh, but we had a fantastic time. It was a great time to, to be there. And actually, it was good to be in a situation where you, you come in and you're like, I don't know anyone. I don't know what it's going to be like. <laughs> like. It's like, oh, so this is how people feel coming to church sometimes. <laughs> so if you're, you're new here, like, welcome. We love you. Can't wait to meet you in person. Give you a hug. Uh, really pull you in. But, but anyway, so it's good for us to be in these situations every once in a while. But at, at, this, at this little interfaith service, we were able to, to meet religious leaders from all sorts of different backgrounds. Uh, there was a guy there from the Muslim Coalition uh, of Connecticut. You know, there were a number of Catholic priests that were there, a friar, uh, you know, uh, Protestant ministers, there were rabbis, there were uh, leaders from the Baha'i faith and uh, Unitarian Universalist faiths. And, uh, and we were also able to, to meet the Manchester mayor, uh, actually, Jay Morgan, and uh, the guest speaker was uh, the president of the Connecticut Education Association, Kate Diaz. Uh, so we were able to meet some very cool people, have some great conversations. And, and one of the phrases that was consistent throughout the messaging and in the conversations was that so much can divide us. There's so much that can divide us, but we need to focus on what unites us. And I think the same is true within God's church here as well. Like I said before, human nature tends to uh, almost lead people to, to division. And Satan knows this. And then you add, you know, uh, over a year and a half, almost two years of social isolation and, uh, you know, political and social, you know, unrest. And, and now you have a body of Christ that is being pulled and ripped apart. There's a reason why Jesus prayed in John 17 for the unity of his people, of God's children. You know, oftentimes you hear in movies and maybe even in your household, you know, you've heard, I know I've heard parents say, you know, I just want the kids to get along. As long as the kids get along. And I think that's how God feels too. Like if, if God's children could just get along, this is what Jesus was praying for. You know, in order for us to, to love his children, well, well, let's turn and take a quick look uh, over to Ephesians chapter four. Ephesians chapter 4, I'm going to read verses 1 through 6 in the International Children's Bible, which I love. Love that translation. It says, I am, in, I am in prison because I belong to the Lord. God chose you to be his people. And I tell you now to live the way God's people should live. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient Accept each other with love. You are joined together with peace through the Spirit. Do all that you can to continue together in this way. Let peace hold you together. There is one body and one Spirit. And God called you to have one hope. There is one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. There is one God and Father of everything. He rules everything. He is everywhere and in every 
thing. You know, we don't have to agree on everything. But if we can, if we can remember to whom we belong as a prisoner of the Lord, if we can be humble and gentle and patient, those things go a long way in helping us to, to love his children, which is each other. It's one another. So wrapping this whole thing up, we just celebrated Thanksgiving. And, and we as Christians have the most to be thankful for. It's because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross that we're able to be called children of God. And as we see his love, as we practice his righteousness, and as we love his children, we will have confidence and take pride and be able to take pride that we are children of God. We love you, church. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Heart Podcast. To learn more about the Hartford Church of Christ, visit us online at hartfordchurch.org.